Peter will turn 25 and Naomi um, will turn 27. And Naomi and Asmin have uh, not long ago had a, uh, a daughter, Thea. So we're, we're looking forward to lockdown to end so we can spend a bit of time with our granddaughter. Uh, so, so that's uh, that's a bit about me. Um, that's the YWAM stuff. The, the non-YWAM stuff is this week I bought a motorbike. Um, I don't have a license yet. I'm hoping to pass the test that was cancelled and rescheduled. Um, I'm a passionate Wolverhampton Wanderers football club fan. Um, so if you like Premier League football, you'll love Wolves and that's my team. Uh, and I speak Spanish. There you go. Great, to... great. And you're an avid tea drinker, let's be honest. If you follow me on Instagram, you are going to see many cups of tea. You're not a follower of Steve on Instagram. What's the matter with you? <laughs> it's good. It's good. Thank you. Uh, and Krista? Yeah, my name is Krista. Thanks, Claire, for having me here and inviting me. Um, so I started my YWAM career in YWAM Restina, Sweden, in 2006. Gosh, that feels like so long ago. But yeah, 2006, met my husband there shortly after and then stayed there till around 2015, mostly working with DTS leadership and training and then slowly transitioned into leadership and more admin-y type roles. Um, then, what, then we went to India for the better part of a year to lead a DTS as we transitioned to England in 2015, um, where we've been at YWAM Harpenden ever since. And then a lot of my work is my kids. I, for Claire, who knows, I have three kids under seven and then I have one on the way very soon. So a lot of my work is community oriented with them and with mentoring and discipling informally um, and then various admin stuff. But um, yeah, I'm passionate about mercy ministry. So I try to get my hands in that as much as possible from where we are. And uh, yeah, I'm passionate about discipleship and people. So I'm often seen doing laps with people because that's what I like to do best. So. <laughs> True, dragging a, a, a red little tykes car beside yeah. you as well. Exactly. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for being willing to come on the panel this afternoon. And I know, having knowing both of you, that you both are in, in your passion. It's not just a passion, but you practice what it means to build community. And so I'm really excited to hear from both of you. Um, I also want to just say, if you're watching with us this afternoon, we, you know, we are a person down on this panel and we would love your questions. So there's a chat room and um, we want to hear from you. This is your place to, to ask hard questions of these two. <laughs> I'll just host the questions to them. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, so please do. This is about participation from everyone. We want to hear your thoughts and your questions. And um, so just type them into the chat box and we will monitor it and, and, and do our best to answer those as well. Um, but yeah, let's get stuck in. So as I said, the topic is building authentic community. And we've all kind of explored our articles this month. We've watched the LDX talks. We have watched Jeff on the Leadership Lounge. And that's where I'd love to start this afternoon. I'm just gonna throw you right in there, guys. <laughs> but I, there's something that Jeff said that has stuck and it's been kind of toiling in my own mind. Um, and so I'm going to read out something that he said. He said that authentic community has to be built upon a mutual Christ, mutual mission and rhythms that reflect our values. And if we don't and if we don't do that, then we become known for simply what we believe and we miss out on the how to believe it. Um, another way that perhaps is easier to understand, he says that it's easy to become more in love with the idea of community than it is to practice doing it. So what are your thoughts? I mean, I think how, how, how easy is it for us to fall trap to that, that concept of falling in love with the idea of community rather than practicing it in a mission that talks about community a lot? <laughs> they both fall silent, it's great. Um, I've, I've been thinking about this quite a lot because as we go through our YWAM values, living in community isn't one of them. It's, um, it, it's a byproduct of, in some ways, the convenience and the, the strategic nature of being, of having some sort of critical mass and some synergy. I think it's a, it's a very helpful thing, but 
community in and of itself isn't a value that we have working in team is valuing individuals valuing families of course um so i think there's a i certainly see it here um there's a, a very much a utopian idea of what community is like uh, and when we'll join uh, the community it, it doesn't take long for that idea of the idealism of christian community to fall away to be replaced with the reality of just doing everything with the same people all the time which can drive people uh, around a twist which is a very british phrase sorry uh, drive people crazy um so i think there's some idealism mixed into what community is and what people would like community to be um and the, the question that i often ask people here is what what kind of community do you expect because every once in a while we'll say oh we're, we're not going to meet together oh we're, we're not going to be on timetable today we're going to come off timetable because there's something that's come out some news some situation we're going to take some time to pray or, or something's happened and we're going to we're all going to go out into the local town and sometimes it can be a response of like well how, how am I going to get all my work done you know I've got so many things to do how am I going to get it done and my, my question is always what kind of community are we are we a a work community, Monday to Friday, nine to five, that tries to fit in some Christian content because we're a Christian organization? Or are we a Christian community that's motivated and the, the motor, the impulse that we have is time spent with the Lord in, in prayer and worship and uh, reading the Bible, whatever. And then when we have an opportunity, we, we do what we call ministry. Um, and I think very often the outworking from the outside, the result would look the same but it's the motivator, the, the thing that drives you to make your decisions and determine your priorities that will help to shape the community that you're a part of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really good. I've been reflecting over, I think I haven't intentionally thought about, you know, community is something I sort of just do often without thinking about it intentionally. But lately, I think we can all relate as we've been going through COVID for what, a year now straight, that I've seen the cracks in community where either the structural where we've set up, you know, like he's talked about rhythms of community living where we do retreats and stuff, but even just the relational, I see how it's been difficult and the outpouring of COVID and not being able to connect, um, be it the heart to heart, the sharing of the joys and sorrows beyond Zoom, which we know has its limitations. Um, and I've so I've been reflecting a lot over when he was sharing about the rhythms and all this stuff about how important are rhythms are important, but how much are they mandated or set by the leadership or by the structure. So I, even as I was chewing over this, I was thinking how, um, you know, if I don't feel I have a safe place or I don't feel that we have enough rhythms, am I creating that safe place? For, other, for others on the campus. If I don't feel that I am um, engaging enough with the local community and in the rhythms that are going on broader than YWAM, um, you know, it, am I owning that myself? Am I participating in those things or am I waiting for the structure or the leadership um, to provide that for me? So a lot of my sort of thoughts started revolving around these three things and how do we own them as individuals and not put it to a structure or the leadership, which I'm guessing for you, Steve, you're a base leader. Um, I'm sure you get a lot where well, I've heard a lot from my husband on leadership team of um, the base is not providing this rhythm or the base is not allowing for this, yeah. uh, which actually that's a small part. Yes, you set the culture and the vision and the tone, but it's so much about us creating that in our own lives and then the outpouring of that if that makes sense yeah, yeah. about probably just oh yeah, probably it was probably april may last year once once we kind of got into the the fifth sixth seventh week of lockdown and and the the novelty such as it was was wearing off and the the, the reality of this not knowing what was coming next was beginning to sink in we we realized that there was some frustration um, with, within our community um, and there was some um, lack of understanding of what was going on in the UK. We've got some you know, non-UK staff members who were getting their information from back home or from other sources, which is perfectly all right, of course, but we are actually here in the UK. So you know, you've got to be rooted where you're, where you're living to know what's going on around you. So we, we took some time to look at some of the implications to us 
And once you remove the, the normal ministry activities that require going out, you're left with a, um, a, a bit of a, a mundane schedule because the, these things that were what people look forward to to go out and doing were taken away. And we, we, we've, over the last year, really, we've explored this idea of what it means to be part of a community without those other things. Because really, the, we, we, we took the decision early on as a community at Homestead to maintain this sort of like one unit identity. So we've continued throughout lockdown to pray together, to worship together, to eat together. Um, and we've operated as one big family, if you like with our protocols and risk assessments in place for what we do with, you know, if someone had a positive test or someone contracted uh, the sickness, whatever. Um, but what we identified was, or what we, what we eventually pointed out, I think, was that if you take away the outreach, if you take away the local ministry, actually that's a very small percentage part of the, 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 the overall week, if you look at the week in numbers of hours and you take away those ministry hours, there's still a lot of hours left. And, and we have to be able to have a sense of purpose within what we do. So we, we started revisiting some, some sort of the old monastic traditions and looking at things like a rule of life. Um, so we, we instituted a, a midday liturgy, a midday prayer that we do. We, we have lunch from one till two and then at two we gather so that we we pray together and it's a liturgical prayer it's one that by now it seems like everyone in the community knows by heart apart from me i'm not very good at that sort of <laughs> learning of right stuff there steve i see <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know i've got it we've got it access so we can, we can find it in different ways but we pray together um and and it, it's a really lovely point where we can come together it's kind of a refocus on why we're here and what we're doing so that we can go out and one of the messages that I've been kind of communicating to our community on a regular basis is, you know, Jesus in, in John 13 says that people will know that we're his disciples if we love one another, not, not if we go and do lots of stuff. And I think we can easily confuse within our community settings the, the activity that generates community, which, which is a part of what we do for sure. But there also has to be a, a mutual love and respect and affection amongst us. Because if not, when we go out, what do we actually offer? And I, I said this not too long ago. We've we have a we have a food truck here, we, which goes into Brighton every Saturday and Sunday, and does a, a hot breakfast, uh, bacon and egg roll for the street community. And we're continuing with that because that kind of charity work is permissible under the the regulations here. And I said, you know, if if you can go down to do that on a Saturday or Sunday morning, early in the morning when it, sometimes it's cold, you you know, you've got up early, you're not in the best frame of mind or mood but you can be polite to all the people that you meet there and loving and kind yet you struggle with people here on the in the location that you're living in uh, that you're sharing space with I think I think we've got something the wrong way around so we've, we've pushed really hard into this idea of how do we generate loving caring mutual support and affection amongst us because anything that we do that goes out from here is an extension of what we're doing individually and and what you said at the end there Christy you know my my, my message to our, our team here has been you know that the devotional life of why I'm homestead manor isn't isn't set by us having intercession and worship it's set by everyone in the community bringing a heart of intercession and worship to the corporate stuff this you know this isn't rocket science it's yeah. it's not a complicated uh, formula to work out but we we can tend to fall into this well the base needs to provide this this and this so what so if the base is doing this correctly then it will be covered but it's you know the base is only as spiritual as the people are spiritual the 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 practical service on the base depends on the willingness and the initiative and the the work ethic of those who contribute to it the the community spirit in us in, around us isn't dependent on having meetings together it's dependent on me being willing to talk to people and not be on my phone yeah I think it's fascinating in COVID actually that Chrissy, you talked about how it it's revealed cracks or but and I think it brings all of those things together in that it's very easy for us to think we have community because we do the same job together or we work on the same project, but the minute you take the work or the project away, suddenly that you're not interacting with those people and you, you suddenly realize, oh, maybe there wasn't, maybe community was just based on the task. 
Um, but I find it interesting in this, what Jeff was saying, that it's, it is the, the mutual Christ, mutual mission and rhythms that reflect values. And I think that often we get stuck in the mutual rhythms and the work practices and those things. And we do those things mutually together, but, but we haven't built from the values up, you know, and, and I think that plays into what you're saying too, Steve, with, you know, even just you take away corporate worship or the, the style of worship or those things. Are we still worshippers? Are we still worshippers when we're on our own? Are we still worshippers when we're just with one other person or on Zoom or, or, you know, and I think that's been the gold, in my opinion, that's coming out of this season is actually we've had to like really think hard about what are my values? Do I, do I still believe in community even if I'm sick in bed and I can't get out and do mission like in the classic practical way or yeah so it's, it's bring it brings to light a lot of hard questions I think for us all right there's a um there's a word that I've um that I've looked at and used quite a lot within some of the stuff that we've done here and I I picked it up from a there's an author called uh, Alan Hirsch who's a missiologist he's a South African who lived in Australia he's now in the U.S. I think, but he's. I'd highly recommend a lot of what he what he says. I think it's very applicable to uh, youth with the mission communities. Um, and he talks about communitas, which is the, the the building of community as you engage in something. It's you know all of us have been on some sort of outreach. We've all done a DTS, and very often it's the friendships that we form in those places that become very long-standing the sort of people that when you meet up with them, you just kind of pick up where you left off because of those shared experiences The you know, you, Alan Hirsch refers to, you, you stop being kind of teammates and you become comrades. You know, you've got an aim in mind, whether it's to reach out to an unreached people group or build a house or deliver something, you, you know, you, you, you work together to get the job done. And in that working together, you cover each other and support each other and help each other. And I think sometimes within our YMAM communities, not having a, an aim or a purpose to aim at altogether, we, we miss out on some of that, that rubbing shoulders and support. And then the, the, the corporate things that come into play become a, a question of taste and preference rather than urgency and, and, and need. And there's, there's always going to be a bit of that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a base leader and I'll be the, you know, mm -hmm. maybe this isn't the forum for me to say that I don't always like <laughs> worship or I don't always want to go to intercession, but that's the, you know, that's, that's the truth. There are some days I wake up and I'd rather not go into the office because I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm just fed up with stuff. But I, I have to determine, no, I, I can't make my decisions based on my choices, my preferences, my likes and my dislikes. My, my commitment to the Lord is expressed in the place that I'm at and the place that I'm at demands certain things of me. So I've got to, you know, my wife often talks about how we have to get over ourselves in order to to get to you know, get to God and there's some very practical stuff about just you know not letting situations determine or circumstances determine our responses um, which is easy to say and in any community we're currently with with trainees on DTSs here and staff we've got some volunteers we, we've got you know, we're not a massive community compared to Harpenden, perhaps, but we're bigger than some other places. It's about 40 adults here at the moment and seven kids under 10. You know, to get everyone in the same place at the same time in the same frame of mind is, is impossible. And yeah. we recognise that. And we recognise that people have bad days and some people have good days and some people are really annoying sometimes. And some people are really helpful <laughs> sometimes. But we're probably not all of those things all of the time, all at the same time. Um, and we have to create space and have, have a bit of patience and grace and tolerance for the things that aren't working. And particularly in a situation like lockdown, you know, it highlights all kinds of things that bubble to the surface that maybe weren't there before. Frustrations and anxieties and, and all kinds of things. And we've, we've had a number of members of our team here who've, who've struggled with all kinds of issues. And, and if they don't feel safe enough in this environment to, to work them through and get some help and have some space to work them through, then we're also not doing very a very good job in in terms of what what we're able to offer in, in terms of support yeah christy you said something um you you mentioned you know about community being the space for both pain and joy and and that's something that came up in one of the articles and i know johnny talked in his with jen about 
you know, community being place of shelter. And, and if we can't get that, make space for both joys and pain in our communities, even with it, like with YWAM settings like we have, then how can we create that for, or send people to the nations and go, go, go be community if we haven't got it here. Now, I know you as a friend and I know you in this community and I've watched you and I feel like you, you do that really well. You make space for people's pain and joy, their failures and their successes. And, but how, how can you just speak to that a little bit? Like, I think that's, that's a real key part of building authentic community. And yet I feel like often the experiences, if you screw up or if you feel like you are struggling emotionally or whatever, that you have to come off your job and then, and then you get sidelined because you're not, you know, we're, we're quite, um, we can easily become quite performance orientated, I think, in highly missional environments. And so, yeah, can you just speak to that a little bit? Because I feel like, yeah, that. <laughs> the part of community that resonates, I mean, when I was looking at all these different articles, there's so many aspects of community you hit, right? Um, from just having fun together down to, you know, spiritual community in this smaller YOM community in the bigger, there's so many aspects. But what I was thinking about that they all boil down to is the values of intentionality, sacrifice. Um, and those are two things that aren't comfortable, but um, they're required if you want to make community. So I, I'm, I'm a very practical person, you know that, Claire. So I, I tend to always bring it down to, am I willing to walk that with that person? If I want community, if I want personally, as Krista um, someone to share my joys and my pain. Am I willing to walk with my neighbor in that? And I think one of the articles was, or one of the speakers talked a little bit about, um, you know, the early church and how they shared everything in common. And he, he, he talked more about the, the practical, how they shared everything in common. But I think it was also that they shared each other's joys and sorrows. I think they shared life together. And that wasn't, the early church wasn't a group of people who all loved each other. And, you know, they were all the same personality, same culture. They were <laughs> more than us, I think, even in YWAM, they would have been a mix. And it took a great amount of intentionality to walk out loving my neighbor every day. Um, you know, it's not a quick one-off prayer. It's an investing of my time. It's an investing of my family's time, inviting people over for meals, going for that walk with the person that is struggling that maybe you don't know, but you just have to give of yourself. So for me, it's a daily, like they said, not the one-off quiet time. It's that daily going in with the Holy Spirit of who am I to be intentional in community with today and asking God to reveal that to me. And sometimes it's someone super random and sometimes it's a good friend, which makes it easier but it's that community thinking every day, not just in my, well, Tuesday night we have community. <laughs> and it's easy to get into that, I think, of just the structured things, but how do I walk that out every day? And I think for even people like me, who I'm not in the leadership, well, I have some stuff, but I, you know, mostly I'm at home, but community is people like me. <laughs> community is the everyone. And if 50% of them are holding back or not engaging with community, then we're not going to have community because it stems out of individual and our own walk with the Lord and our own um, struggles and vulnerability with one another. And the, the one out of everyone choosing to be open and vulnerable and engage with each other. So it's, yeah, for me, it's it's intentional. I, I like it too. So that helps. I know I recognize for everyone, it's not as easy, um, but it is a, a sacrifice. I think that we have to do to, to really partake of the good fruit, you know, that is community and that we all desire, I think. So it's yeah. Upside down value of the kingdom, right? But the thing that doesn't make sense, yeah. does make sense that we have to, if we want to be, if we want to have a good friend, we are going to be a good friend. If we yeah. want to have community, then yeah. we need to be community for other people. Exactly. If we want someone to care when we are feeling broken and worn down or tired and disappointed, then we need to care about the person that's feeling that when we don't feel that, you know, and that, yeah. It's about the, sharing it, sharing that, you know, together. Which yeah. <laughs> There's a question here on the chat, guys. It says, um, I'm just yeah. gonna read. Can I just add yeah. to what Krista was saying? That the thing about intentionality, um, I, I think, Anything within community life, um, communication expectations are, are so easy to be 
so easy to be missed. We, we have to be really clear with what we communicate and what we expect and that those in our communities are clear with what's expected of them, which is, I just go back to saying, you know, we, we are looking at a rule of life and we encouraged our staff members to come up with their own. And, and Joe and I have also written a rule of life for our community, which we're beginning to work through. We've got our job descriptions that talk about what, what's expected in terms of um, output, if you like, you know, your participation in making the, the, the animal of, of YWAM function. But then there's this other part, which is the contribution that you make as an individual that feeds into the, the, the broader sort of corporate whole. So when we're, t we're talking about a rule of life, which kind of defines a little bit some of the kind of person that will make working in YWAM functional for an individual and for a group, because we, we all have to, you know, we, YWAM, I think it was Anne Sloan who said to me once in terms of, you know, like Myers-Briggs stuff, the, the percentage of extroverts that we have in YWAM is, is not the normal percentage of extroverts <laughs> in most social groups or workplaces. It, we've kind of got an imbalance. And part of that is the kind of like the DNA of YWAM. We attract certain kinds of people because of the, the, the sort of the profile that we've historically had. But some of those people, if you're a raging extrovert, some of the community aspects really are suited to you, but some of the, the rhythm and the, and the re repetition and the process becomes quite challenging. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have to work hard at being intentional so that we, we're able to reflect something that everyone can be a part of, irrespective of personality type or calling, specific calling. Um, and I, you know, I often say to people here, you know, where, where did God call you to be? Well, at Homestead Manor. So, so how can you say you don't like this at Homestead Manor? This is where God called you. If you don't like it, talk to God, but don't come and mention it to me. Get, get, in, line <laughs> like with, get in line with what God said to you. If God called you to be at Homestead, then ask God for the grace to get on with yeah. what's happening at Homestead. Yeah. That, that, that's a bit of a simplified, you know, glib, glib response. But the, the, there's something in, in that bringing people back to a point, you know, no one pressured you to come here and be part of the community. So why wouldn't you want to be part of the community? Yeah, yeah. And before we actually go to that question, something that you just said that's reminded me of another part of one of the articles. I, th I think it was Rune, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but anyway, um, he talked about, he said something interesting, which has been reflected in our discussion so far about the leadership of a community is only as good as the community itself. And it, and it struck me because so often in community, there's, it's easy to point the finger to, to the leaders of a community and say, why is this not happening? And why is that not happening? Or, um, or even often it said, you know, um, what happens at the top gets reflected into the community. And there's, there's definitely dynamics of that, that I think personally, I think is true. Um, but I thought it was interesting that he said that the leadership can only be as good as the community that's going on. And I think that's true. I think, I think that probably breathes a bit of life to our leaders across Europe. If you're struggling with leading your community in this season, it's not all on the leader, right? It is, it, it comes down to what we're talking about, intentionality in our communities. Like if you want good community, then be a good community builder. Like if you are called to a place, then then like you say, Steve, you need to ask God for the grace to be there to keep building community, to keep choosing, to keep living out of values, not just on the task, you know, all of that stuff. And I thought, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you thought, but that stood out to me from his article about leadership teams and community um, as being just a slightly different angle than what's often talked about. I think it gives leaders a lot of breathing room or grace that <laughs> you know, in my teams, as much as I can set a tone for what I would like it to be or example, at the end of the day, I have to trust that it's God in them, that yeah. they're going to live that out and that it's their responsibility to engage um, with one another, with God, and then from that place, you know, outwards. But it takes a lot of, I don't know, I feel like a burden off my shoulders that I can't create this. This is up to the individual. I can model it. And I think that's important. And I think that's what Jesus did. But at the end of the day, it's it's down to the one to make those decisions. And 
like you said, it comes, we we're talking about before, it comes from the deeper within our relationship with God. If that's not working out, then it's not going to work out that I'm going to love my neighbor very well. And it overflows. And I can't be held responsible for that. You know, I can question. And I think one of the articles was a bit touching on crucial conversations, which is absolutely essential. I think when we're leading, how do we model that? Do we encourage people to, to walk in humility? But at the end of the day, I do feel a lot of freedom in that I can't make it. It's between us and each other and our walk with the Lord to, like you were sort of saying, Steve, you put it back on the person. It's, it's up to each one of them. So it does allow for a lot of grace, I think. That's yeah. <laughs> a lot of grace. We, I mean, we, what we try and do here, or what we've, what we've realized we've done over the last several years is we've, we've created a number of points during the week where the community um, is, is able to, to come together. So we, we always had, you know, uh, the classic YWAM Arab worship and our intercession. Um, and we, we've, we've now moved to um, having a, like a community tea break in the morning. We don't have coffee breaks in England, by the way. We only have tea breaks. <laughs> uh, so Love we have it. a community tea break in the morning. Um, we have this midday sort of liturgical prayer at two when everyone gathers and then people go off to their different areas. Um, we have a... Uh, we don't have a staff meeting anymore. We, we have a, a meeting for news and notices and testimonies and announcements with everyone, um, both um, staff, trainees, volunteers, because any, anything that gets announced is really, it affects the community. So if you're part of the community, you might as well hear it. What used to happen was we'd have a staff meeting, then someone from the DTS staff would go and say everything to the DTS. So I said, what's the, what's the point of duplicating that? If we want the trainees to feel part of the community, let them be part of the community. So on a Friday morning, we have two hours of tea, coffee, notices, news, a little bit of teaching input, small groups, which are mixed, all of our staff and trainees and volunteers, different combinations to, to discuss something that is kind of thrown out, always community orientated to, to highlight how do we participate in this thing that God's called us to be a part of. And then at, on Friday lunchtime, we don't, um, we don't have lunch together. We, uh, we don't have lunch. We, we fast lunch on a Friday and we meet for 45 minutes to, to pray or worship, depending on who's leading. And then in the evening, we have a community meal together. So our Friday is very much a community day. I, I totted up the total. We, I reckon we spend somewhere in the region of eight to nine hours in one another's company each week, which some weeks on a Monday, I look at that and think, oh, <laughs> am I, how, how am I going to get my work done? And, and oh, what about this situation? But I, I have to kind of take a step back and think, well, if, if, if we want to generate this sense of being part of each other's lives and supporting one another and knowing what's going on, we've, we've got to rub shoulders with each other. Yeah. So we, we create that opportunity and we're beginning to see that it's, I think it's got some very positive spin-offs because, you know, relationships are formed, friendships are deepened, um, it, it's good for, for news and catch up and, and checking out things. And it's, I think it's really, I think it's really helpful. Yeah. I love that for the fact that it, um, I love the idea of everybody on the campus, whether you're a trainee in a school or whatever language we use, student, yeah. whatever. Um, and we break down that wall of like staff and it was somehow we're different. We're actually all a body yes. learning and growing together. And so you're right, like a lot of what happens in our staff meetings probably could just all be, but I think that's a crucial part. I think Johnny talked on that even at their base, just like we've got to build community that's authentic first and everything else is an overflow of that. Um, yeah. And even um, the other article from Rebecca, I think that stands, that that lives true then in all the expressions of YWAM that we have. And I loved reading her article that where it's totally different to your classic Warren base like Harpenden or Homestead, um, you know, they're off in a city working in the spheres, but they found the rhythms that join them as Warhammers, which is based on the values. And, and so if we get that bit right, then our expressions can be fast, but, but we're held together around this mutual Christ, mutual mission, rhythms based on values. And I think that's, that's yeah, it's really, really interesting to kind of bring all of that together and see how that holds every other part of what we do. But let's look at this question. Sorry, here on the side. Um, I'm going to read it because it's long. Thanks, Steve. 
Um, communities vary in structure. Some communities, everyone has a joint common room and kitchens, others where you have separate apartments within the community. Do you think the grace can run out for families and singles? Is there a time limit? What do you think you need in the community in order to stay for a long time? Jesus. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. As a Thanks mom of four kids, Steve, you, you're, the, you're, the, you're the one that's been in here a long time. <laughs> What's I, th I think um, we, it's interesting. We've got, um, we went from having one family with, uh, with, with young children to another couple who had a child. And then we've had two volunteer families join us um, who've got four children between them. And all of a sudden we've got kids playing together and some screaming and shouting and not sharing and uh, <laughs> the questions of how, how you manage family life within community life. And there's, there's all sorts of issues around that, which maybe this isn't the, the discussion to go into. But we, Joe and I deliberately sat all our families together and, and said, we just want you to be aware of some things that we learn as parents in the mission uh, with small children. And some of these things might be helpful to you and please don't think we're picking on anyone in particular and we're, we're doing it in that sort of passive aggressive way. We're telling you that you're wrong by letting everyone else know what we all think about you. It, was, it wasn't that at all. It was here are some overall sort of parenting hints and tips that we've picked up along the way. And, and I, think it's, I think it's that kind of that crucial conversation, uh, that idea of, of acknowledging that, that things are different for different people. Um, so I know the singles here um, had some teaching a couple of weeks ago about singleness and, and within that, I'm not sure if they got it then, but I've certainly been saying to our DTS leader this, uh, this last little while, um, uh, how, do we, how do we incorporate families into DTS? You know, and it's, it's just a question, you know, how, how do they fit in? What does it look like? How, how do we do this? And I think it's the, the ongoing awareness that no, not everyone is like us you know, and several people who know me would probably say, well, thank the Lord for that. Um, <laughs> but, but we have to acknowledge one another's life stage. State, it's, you know, it's ages and stages. It's the acknowledgement of where people are at. And, you know, we, all of us who are married with kids were married without kids. And before that we were engaged. And before that we were singles. Um, and in the majority of cases, for those who are in YWAM with young families, very often, I think in, in the case of uh, the, my fellow uh, participants here, it was meeting in YWAM and having children in YWAM. Um, we came into YWAM with kids, but it's, it, yeah, it, it's been aware of ages and stages, I think. Not, not singling people out or highlighting the, you know, the, the, the big push to get married or the big push to have kids. It's, yeah. How, how do we have grace with one another in, in our communities, encouraging people around, sharing, spending time together? I think that is where community helps soften that. I think, I mean, Claire, yeah. in our community, we have a huge number of families. Uh, equally, we have quite a lot of singles in there. Of course, there can be tension. Our lifestyles can be different. You know, our time, our what is available is a lot different to a single. Singles lifestyle of staying up late is vastly different than mine right now. But I think it's that element of being open with one another and not assuming. And, you know, when I, you and I try to engage with the singles, you know, in our house, have them over for meals. And it's that place that they get to see your rhythms <laughs> as a family and, and understand that, okay, this doesn't fit for everything that we're doing and vice versa and having that grace for one another that we are the same vision you know we love the same the lord but it's it's going to play out differently in the outworking and and leaving room for that and leaving room for discussions about that and i think for us it was a lot about assuming you know us making assumptions of why they think the way they do or you know not asking each other difficult questions because we don't want to offend someone but rather I'd rather a single came and chatted with me and I'm struggling with this or vice versa as a family towards singles. So I think it's all comes down to that relationship again, the intentionality of engaging with the, one another and being open with life struggles. And yeah, sometimes it's hard. <laughs> I find it hard. Recent, recently in our, in our small groups on a Friday morning, we, there were two things that we've done. We, one week I said to 
I, I said to folk, we're not, we're not going to have some any sort of input today, but just in the groups, um, I, I wasn't there that week. This is my wife who asked on my behalf. Ask one another your story. How, how did you end up here today at Homestead Manor? How did you, you know, how did you get to be on this DTS? Why did you come to join staff? What made you want to volunteer with Homestead Manor? Listen to people's stories of the, you know, how they met the Lord and how they ended up here. Partly because, you know, if we if we don't understand people's stories and where they've come from, we we have a limited amount of patience and grace for them. But when you begin to hear someone's story, you think, oh wow, the fact that they're here, amazing. The oh wow, you did that. That's incredible. And our, our perception of who they are uh, adjusts a little bit. And we we had a, another discussion a couple of weeks ago about equity and equality. And um, well, maybe did we have that discussion or did we? <laughs> in your head, maybe we might, I think we brought this on the DTS when we were talking about. Actually, it was on the DTS. We were talking about relationships and we talked about equity and equality and how we we don't expect the same things of everyone, but we we expect everyone to be able to give what is appropriate for them in the age and the stage that they're at. So our singles, yeah, we will ask you to do maybe a bit more of the. The, the washing up or the practical work in the afternoon and the evening because the, the marriage with young kids are, are trying to you know kind of calm them down or feed them or get them ready for bed or whatever so so we, if we understand that you know me as the base leader I've got some responsibilities that I have to take care of that that no one else is going to do it's gonna be me and Joe that have got to sort this stuff out because it's it's part of our role so it's not that we don't want to do this thing that's going on it, it's that we've got to do this thing that that you can't do and when we begin to recognise the, the difference between the, the responsibilities and perhaps the, um, the, the, yeah, the responsibilities that we carry and the, the roles that we have, we can be a bit more, have a bit more grace and a bit more forbearing for one another. I know then, oh, actually, if I do this, I'm really helping you out. It, it, it changes the motivation for what we want to do. And I think that can be a really helpful process. Yeah. I think it strikes me that um, it really boils down to communication. And I think that's probably one of the keys to being in, in the community for the long haul. Communication, first and foremost, with the Lord, right? Like that, we that we're communicating and we're hearing him regularly about why we're here and why he's called us to this place so that we know, if we know the why, then we have much more uh, grace for the things that we might struggle with but I think I, I know for myself living in a in a coming from living in a, a, a house just in a normal suburb in the USA and then moving back into a Wyoming community like Harperdin I quickly realized I need to communicate that's I, I I am the parent of my family and my family's needs look different than this family's needs or this person's needs and actually the only person responsible for communicating that is me like I can't expect other people to know the dynamics in my family or I can't expect people to just because we live in a community with 30 different nationalities you know even down to things like how I look after my kids when they're sick is different than the somebody from say South America looks after their kids when they're sick and so I just have to be a good communicator but communication which is something that was in one of the other articles that I loved good communication is the ability to listen and and I think that's often the thing we struggle with right is being good listeners um especially extroverts no I'm just kidding but but I think I think living in community for the long haul we have to take responsibility to communicate with others and not be afraid to communicate our needs our capacities and have discussions around that but also to be listening for the stories listening well to each other to understand cultural backgrounds to understand and and for cultural backgrounds coming into a nation to understand the nation that they're entering and the differences all of those things and so that's i think i can't remember which article that was in but um i think it might have been Rune was saying that communication and is is key to community but communication is listening well. And yeah, like that's what you guys are talking about. So maybe that's one of the keys for the long haul stay in a community setting is, yeah. Is, yeah. I, I think we have, to, we have to go back to, the, to encouraging people to be responsible for their own devotional life. I, I, I think we can quite easily kind of expect, individuals can expect things to be provided. Um, and think that the participation in that is my contribution to community. And 
you know, it's a it's an ongoing reminder for me. You know, before I was part of YWAM, I was a very active member of my church, involved in leading meetings, leading youth work, um, leading Bible studies, preaching, and and as I see friends of mine who are in uh, roles as pastors and leaders in churches, and particularly during lockdown when they've not been able to meet with their congregation, that the, there is an effort to to consolidate that kind of input, create that church content to, to transmit. And, and we, we have such an advantage in, in our communities to, to take time to do things that our friends in local church ministry have a limited amount of time to do when they all gather. And I, and I think sometimes we, we dismiss that as, you know, what it, it can sometimes seem quite slow to get things done in, in YWAM. Um, I, I certainly feel that, but actually the, the depth that we can go to and the, the issues that we can address and the, the situations that we can help people kind of come to terms with and relationships that we can be part of um, healing or restoring um, is done in an environment where there is this, this kind of surrounding of lots of personal devotion to the Lord, um, which helps everyone. But unless we have that individual, my contribution-based worship, my contribution to intercession, my contribution to the community meal, it's not just turning up to eat, it's turning up to take an interest. And I will sit next to someone different. I won't just sit with my friends. And these, these are things that we're constantly reminding people of. You know, not everything here is for your convenience. It's for your ability to express your, your love for the Lord with these people around you. And, and you, you know, none of us really choose everyone who's going to be here in our community. It's, you know, they're kind of, sometimes we know who's there and we still come anyway. And then, then that's your fault if you don't like them. <laughs> um, but if you don't know who's there, if you arrive, you've just got to get on with it. Yeah. Got to go on with those people and, and make the most of it. We, we can't be so picky. And I think, you know, society generally gives us so many options to, to choose and to return and to send back and to exchange that when we're in a community setting and we find something that's a bit frustrating and difficult, it's actually quite hard to, to push through that because we're not used to persevering. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I was thinking on top of this and it all in lines with this when I was listening to Jeff that, so I've only been at big bases of 80 plus staff and listening to the YWAM 3.0 model and smaller teams in general, I, I'm sometimes a wee bit jealous that <laughs> the, the pos you can't hide is what I'm uh, observing in those. You know, he was talking about the four rooms, I think of his ideal community or authentic community has a house and there was a metaphor. And it was a lot about spending time together, both in um, retreats he was talking about and times of confession and all these things. and times of hanging out there was a fun room which I loved um, and he had all these rooms and a lot of it was intentional time together which in a large base at least where I've only been at doing those things corporately as a group with families and individuals and off base and on base people is very hard you almost end up scheduling them nine months in advance <laughs> just to make it intentional and so it, I guess the responsibility has to be pushed down, but it's easy to fall through the cracks. So you've got some being very intentional and feeling they have a group or a team that's thriving and they're getting that. And then you have others that are not seen or you know don't know how. And I, I'm almost envious, I guess, of the smaller team ideas and even this 3.0 of that you could get together with your whole team and have a meal or a laugh twice a month or something. I don't know. I, I wonder if there's something with smaller, <laughs> smaller groupings rather than these mega. Yeah. Or I don't know, or mega, but it is it is easy to fall through the cracks. I think in these bigger YWAM campuses like ours. Yeah, but I part of it I wonder is is to do with how we even how we word things because when we when we talk about campus, we we create an idea of of what we expect, and most people who come to a campus come to study. Yeah and you separate class from social yeah. um, and it reinforces perhaps some of the differences that we have from the from our education background from our country the 
it was um, Alejandro Rodriguez from uh, Wyoming, Argentina, who for years was talking about um, missionary communities. Instead of calling us bases or campuses, we should talk about ourselves being missionary communities. And and for a while, I I, can't, I didn't quite poo-poo what he said, but I was like, oh, you know, kind of, it's, here we go again. But actually, the, the the more I've been involved in in leadership, and since we've been here at Homestead, when people locally talk about YWAM, for me to say we're a base or a campus doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. So, so to talk about us being a, a Christian community, it actually it actually has some 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 meaning and some history within within our evangelical Protestant tradition. You know, it, it creates the idea of a religious order. And I think there, there are so many parallels between sort of the, the, the monastic traditions and, and what we do that if we, if we ignore them, we, we do so at our peril, I think, because we can, we can glean so much that can be so enriching. Mm. Um, and that, that central focus on working together for what the Lord's called us to, and training can be a part of that, of course it can. And out, outward focused ministry and inward focused stuff, whatever it is, it, it can all be part. Mm -hmm. But you know, our words dictate very much how we interpret and what we think about the th the things that we're involved with. So if we if we're constantly saying um, campus, then we're yeah. going to create the idea of a an education establishment where the very first one of the first DTSs me and my wife led was in Argentina, and we had a a, a guy come with his cousin. And that the first weekend, I was just chatting to a few people. Yeah, what are you doing at the weekend? Uh, and this, this guy and his cousin and two others. Oh, we're renting a car and we're going to the beach. And I'm like, the beach is like about a five hour drive from where we were. And we're like, uh, okay, can, can we unpack that a little bit? And, and the two of them had come with the idea that DTS would be some classes during the week and weekends would be free. And we're like, actually, we're, we're doing something on Saturday. We've got an event on Saturday morning that we'd like you here for. And we've got a meeting on Friday night. And then on Monday morning, this is taking place. And we, you know, we're expecting you to go to church on Sunday. And it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Now, I think we'll probably all maybe communicate a bit more what our DTSs are, whether people read it, listen to it, pay attention <laughs> to it, all the story. But if, if, if we create the expectation that the community looks a certain way, and we expect this of those people who participate in community, we, we can begin to undo some of the misconceptions of community even before people join it. But it's a, it's a slow process. You know, we've, we've been here eight years and it took us probably a good four or five years to figure out what, well, what, what is the potential of community and what could this community look like? And, and how relevant should we be? Do we need to be? Are we locally? So there are all sorts of questions. And I think that ongoing reflective process of asking questions is a, is a really helpful one. And sometimes we, we fall out of that because they're leading this and they're leading that. And I'm just, well, I'll just do what I'm told. And I think going back to what Steve said, how do we encourage people to be around longer? Part of it is including people in the processes that we have. Part of it is giving people responsibility. You know, the, the, the proverbial glass ceiling, if it's, if it's there, will, will stop people's growth and development either individually or within the, the structure that we ourselves have created. So. What can yeah. we do to help people develop their gifting and their skills and their interests so that they would want to continue to be part of the community? Yeah. But I, th I think ongoing commitment to YWAM doesn't come from lots of projects, although that can be a part of it. I think it comes with a, when, when you kind of feel this heart connection with those around you and the place that you're in and the sense of commitment to the Lord, when all those things kind of converge, I think that's when some sort of long-term or longer-term commitment comes. But if we aim for long-term commitment by pinning people down to schools, we're, it, it kind of works, but you, you miss out on something, I think. Yeah. I think it's interesting, Krista, uh, having been in a pioneering setting in a very small team um, and building, it, it is drastically different yeah. than being in this setting. And I've often... Uh, thought, like, I've been in two larger communities and one pioneering team. And I think... It's fascinating because the small team, you build deeper relationship very quickly. You can't hide and therefore you have to learn really quickly how to love people that you don't get on well with, you know, that kind of dynamic. Um, and, and yet in that setting, you often crave the 
the slightly more corporate, the those kind of dynamics. And so there's like, and then here in a larger community, I think it's very easy to feel lonely in this setting because people make assumptions that you have your people and those kind of things. And and in some ways, probably some of my loneliest years have been in a large YWAM base because the assumption is you've got friends and you, you know, those kind of things. But I think it is an interesting question for us as large communities about what it means to be connected because sometimes the expectation is that we would all be connected at deep levels and that's impossible with a hundred people you can't all be you know and so how do we how do we create these kind of almost small teams within a large large community but making sure no one is left alone I think those are really hard questions to unravel in the practicalities and but they come back down to the same very proactive in your in your interaction with those around you you know we i said we're about 40 at the moment 40 adults and and it's quite obvious when someone isn't around for something so yeah. you know do we i've had people say to me oh you know so and so wasn't at this thing <laughs> or i've said to my wife you know where was where was so and so and and we our, our first default can be to to make a judgment based on something that's happened you know months yeah. ago years ago or we're trying to get to the point where we think, you know, believe the best, believe the best of someone that yeah. something's happened, but ask them, yeah, you know, yeah. have a conversation. Oh, hey, I missed you the other day. Or, we, we, you know, I didn't see you at the at this thing that we do. Everything okay. And I think sometimes even just that little question can seem a bit daunting because our sense of community is based around events rather than relationships. Yeah. So we, we, we have to kind of get over ourselves um, and say, you know, hey, Claire, I missed you the other day where, you know, we everything all right at home or, you know, we, were you busy with the kids and run the risk of saying something that might cause a reaction. Yeah. You know, and, and I think we, if we if we can't do that in, in our YWAM communities, which really are quite safe communities where, where the, you know, the foundation is is our personal devotion to the Lord and love for one another. If we can't do it there, we, you know, we can't. What have we got to take out anywhere? Yeah, so good. I am aware that our time has, we, we could keep going, I feel like. Look at it, it's so good though, it's so rich. And I think hopefully this is just the start for people. Like we'd love you to keep these conversations going wherever you are, whether you're in a small team or a large team, we are definitely, it's, it's a growing experience, right? It's, to, it's an unraveling, it's not like, we arrive at an excellent community just like that we we are yeah. constantly moving and growing and learning together and getting it wrong and yet that's the invitation to move deeper and expand our hearts for one another and for nations and and um i loved what jose said in his when he talks about you know we this isn't something that we have to figure out on our own. Like I always find that if I study those 12 disciples and the Jesus model of community, it blows my mind away when I look at the disciples and where they came from and their backstories and how they still manage to build community, gathering around a table and doing the simple things like breaking bread together, you know, going fishing together, <laughs> like the things that the glue for them was found in really simple acts of being together. And I think that's clear from our discussion this afternoon is there's just power in rubbing shoulders together, finding rhythms to help in that dynamic where it's not natural necessarily, but, but ultimately it always comes from our individual heart to choose that, to keep, to want those things. And as we bring those things, then we create those things with other people. And so, yeah, good stuff. And um, I just want to say thank you to both of you for giving up your hour this afternoon to join the discussion and um we just appreciate what you both have brought and appreciate all the contributors on our articles and videos too it's such good stuff could i recommend a book you sure can um i, I read this last year um, if you're interested in the idea of rule of life the city is my monastery by richard carter who's mm -hmm. uh, an anglican priest in london he moved from i think from the seychelles to um to central london and, and had to look at what community meant in, in that environment. And it's a, it's, it's a book that touches on um, some of his journey, reflections and story. But as you go through it, I, I found as I went through it, there were a lot of parallels to looking at community within a youth with a mission context. 
Um, and, and I think this idea of a, a, a rule of life is, is one that, if you're not familiar with it, investigate it a little bit, because I think it will add a richness to you as an individual. But if you, as a community, can explore the idea of a rule of life, it can bring a richness to your, your, your together stuff, which, uh, which, which I think you'll find beneficial. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's John Mark Cromer as well, who has, um, he's done the rule of life yeah. exploring, and he has an amazing uh, workbook that you can download if you go to, yeah. if you search John Mark Cromer on Google, you'll find it. Um, yeah. But he's got a phenomenal workbook that you can work through that I, I started to work through and I just found it so helpful, really good questions. And it really helped me translate it into, yeah. So good stuff. Thanks for that, Steve. Appreciate it. All right, everyone, we hope you have a wonderful afternoon wherever you're joining us from. And um, this is it from us on the discussion panel. See you later. Bye-bye, Europe. Bye. Bye. <laughs>